What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Big League Chewing, a baseball podcast. Baseball is back, everybody. The players' union, the league, the owners have finally come to an agreement, basically going back to their March 26th agreement for 60 games, uh, universal DH, uh, runners starting at second base and extra innings, uh, all kinds of crazy coronavirus guidelines, no spitting, uh, no no leaving your position to go argue with an umpire, um, you know, all the kind of guidelines, no licking, pitchers can't lick their fingers, it's going to be wild, it's going to be crazy, can't wait to get in, can't wait for the season to start. On today's show, I am joined by Tim Kelly. Tim is the editorial director of Phillies Nation. He is also the host of Locked on Phillies, a great Phillies podcast. We talk about projections for the Phillies season, which is strange because I actually talked to Tim back in February on this podcast, and we we previewed a 162-game season for the Phillies. This time, Tim comes back on the show. Thankful to have him on. And we pre- preview the new 60-game season for the Phillies. We talk Bryce Harper. We talk Alec Bohm. We talk uh, Mickey Moniak, uh, their former 2016 number one draft pick, and how far he has fallen, and a host of other Phillies-related content. But before we get into our interview with Tim, I just wanted to take a second to talk about what exactly we're dealing with when we're talking about a 60-game season. Originally... Uh, I had hoped I had hoped that the season would be around 100 games. I think a lot of fans would say that okay, we're not getting 162 games. 100 games, that's doable. I like where I like the feeling of 100 games. 60 games is a real it's 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 real crazy. Um, it, you, you could hardly say it's a baseball season at all. But I think that 2020 is going to be a pivotal season for the game at large. I think that this 2020 season has a lot of opportunity to kind of present different aspects of the game, to kind of uh, illuminate key parts of the game that could be changed, could be altered moving forward to create a more interesting product, a more exciting product. With this 60-game season, you might get the casual baseball fan tuning in. You might get non-baseball fans tuning in just to catch what's going on. Every game now under a 60 game format has more meaning more immediacy you know the 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 casual game that you turn on and watch on a thursday on a on a tuesday night game one of a three game series starts at 705 the game that you'd usually watch in you know june now all of a sudden it's game 10 out of 60 it feels vaguely probably like a playoff game the managers are going to the bullpen early uh, bullpens this season, I feel like are going to be relied on much heavy, uh, much heavy, uh, much more heavily. Uh, managers are going to be quicker to pull the trigger, um, and I think that you're going to get probably, you know, twenty five percent, thirty five percent feeling of a playoff game. I feel like the energy level is going to be there with every game. I feel like the intensity is going to be there with every game. Uh, you know, a six game losing streak now is going to be almost catastrophic, a 10 game lo- losing streak and your season is basically over. Um, so it's going to be very exciting. And I think that excitement level is going to be very key in getting younger fans, getting the casual baseball fan to come and, and take a look and I think if we don't learn some lessons from this upcoming 2020 season in what 
is exciting about the game, what's exciting about this shorter season format. I'm not saying that I want a 60-game season from here on out, but I think there's going to be key lessons to learn for the sport moving forward on what we can take from a 60-game season and apply to the game moving forward that will kind of maintain some of the excitement, some of the immediacy that this 60-game season is going to present. So a lot to look forward to with this season. I think this is going to be a hell of a season to watch from beginning to end. A lot of excitement, a lot of surprises. I feel like there's some playoff teams out there that were, or there's some teams out there that were playoff teams before the 162 game season was scheduled to start that now with a 60 game season might not make it. You know, you look at a team like the twins. I mean, even you could look at a team like the Astros or the Yankees, you know, these teams have to start off hot and continue to be hot um, in order to make the postseason, you know, a lot can go wrong in 60 games. The best teams can have a bad 30 game stretch or a bad 20 game stretch and a bad tw- and, and a bad 20 game stretch or a bad 30 game stretch in a 60 game season is the difference between the playoffs, making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. So I think there's going to be a lot of surprises. There's going to be a lot of teams that are kind of coming out of nowhere and, and are become kind of fringe uh, playoff contenders. So I think um, at the end of the day, Yes, of course, you'd want a 162-game season. But baseball is in such a state right now uh, of disrepair. You know, even looking beyond labor negotiations between the union and the league, um, even beyond that, the excitement level, uh, the buzz around the game is, is, at, a, is at a pretty big low. Um, we're not getting the younger fans. We're not getting the kind of national attention that the NBA and the NFL gets. And I still think that baseball has an opportunity here through this 60-game season to kind of uh, bring some immediacy back to the game, bring some excitement back to the, to the day-to-day game um, that we've never seen before. So I think 2020 is a pivotal season. We'll see what happens. We'll see how things shake out. A lot of people are going to hate it. A lot of people, I think, are going to end up loving it um, for, the, for the reasons that I've outlined. So I'd love to get to my interview with Tim Kelly. Tim, again, is the edit- editorial director of Phillies Nation, and he's also the host of Locked on Phillies. So here it is. Enjoy. So I am now joined by Tim Kelly. Tim is the director of Phillies Nation, and he's also the host of the Locked On Phillies podcast. Tim, how's it going today? It's going great, man. Thanks for having me back on. No problem. So it's been a while since we last chatted. I looked back on our Skype call uh, earlier today, and I guess we chatted last in the beginning of February. And at that point, we were talking about a full 162-game season. We had some Phillies predictions um, but before all that, before we get into kind of uh, our renewed predictions for the Phillies, um, let's talk about kind of what you've been up to since the pandemic, since spring training was canceled. Um, how have you been getting baseball uh, and, and all that sort of thing? I would say generally I, I've watched a lot of older games. Uh, there have been a lot of Phillies games replayed. MLB Network plays just a ton of old classic 90s, 2000s games. I've watched a ton of those. But obviously it, it has not been the same, and I'm looking forward to actual baseball coming back and new content. Definitely. So the MLB, MLBPA and the league have come to an agreement on a 60-game season. What are your thoughts on some of the rule changes, specifically the universal DH, um, extra innings now are going to start with a runner on second base. 
Uh, what are your kind of what was your kind of gut reaction to those? And has your opinion since those rules came out changed at all? I may be in the minority, but I actually like both rule changes. I think the DH is pretty uh, set in stone now, and either you like it or you don't like it, but I think it was time I was tired of watching hitters or pitchers bat. As far as the runner on second, maybe I would prefer if you started it in the 11th inning or the 12th inning, but in general, I think extra innings has changed with the the pace that pitchers are used at in games now, and it was just getting to the point where you would get to the 13th or 14th inning and one manager would throw his hands up and say, I'm not going to burn through my whole bullpen for this one game. We'll essentially throw the the white flag up on this game. So, I mean, I, I think at a certain point, extra innings lose their lust. For an inning or two, it's fun. Otherwise, I, I could kind of do without it. And I think that's likely what this rule is going to uh, allow to have happen, that you're only going to go one or two extra innings in most cases. And I don't mind that. I liked it in the World Baseball Classic. And I think even people that dislike it, for them, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, this is ruining baseball. I just It, it right. comes off as very hyperbolic to me. Yeah, especially, you know, I was talking about this um, on another podcast I was on recently with a buddy of mine. And we were basically talking about there's so many extra inning games that you watch by like the 15th or 16th inning. It's like, you know, a ball hasn't made it past the infield in the last four innings. You know, pitchers are kind of like in their groove now. Um, it's almost like kind of like watching another game. And it's just like the excitement level in an extra inning game, I would argue, is not as high as a lot of people think. I think a lot of the fans of, of extra inning games claim that like the excitement level is super ratcheted up in an extra inning game. But I would disagree. I think after like the 14th inning, the excitement level goes down tremendously because, you know, you're getting like, you know, quick one, two, three innings. You know, balls aren't leaving the infield for three or four innings. So I, I would right. definitely agree. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, in this case, you're going to have a significant excitement level because you're immediately going to have a runner in scoring position. And the thing that I like that some people seem like if it had been a situation like the NFL where the team in the top of the inning gets a runner on second and if they score, that's the end of the game. I wouldn't have liked that. But both right. teams are going to get an opportunity. So it's possible you can still have extra innings go two or three innings because teams go back and forth. And if anything, to me, that creates more excitement and gets these games over quickly. I mean, maybe when you're like 18 in the summer and you don't have a job, like it, it's fun to stay up until two o'clock in the morning <laughs> and watch these games. But in yeah. real life, it's like, dude, I got stuff to do tomorrow. Like, I, right. I don't really want to be awake till three o'clock in the morning watching this. Right, right. Especially in a, in a circumstance where, say, the Phillies are on the West Coast and the game starts to begin with at 10 p.m. your time. Um, you know, that, that game's finishing at like, you know, three or four a.m. three or four a.m. your time. So can definitely definitely see that. So with the 60 game season in effect, um, how do you think that um, affects the Phillies? Do you think they're a team that is kind of built to get off to a hot start? Do you think that they would benefit more from kind of the marathon of 162 game season? How do you think this team is built for a 60 game season? It's difficult to tell. I, I don't know that they one way or another are significantly better with a shorter season or a normal length season. Uh, over the last two seasons, if you would stop the season at 60 games, they would have been in a better situation than they were over the course of 162. But maybe in a 60 game season, you'll get the second half with 
disaster the last two seasons and is the reason Gabe Kapler's not the manager here anymore. So it, it depends what half they get. I would say, though, the division, I think, has gotten better based off of a 60-game season because the Nationals are probably built as well as anyone in the sport to play in a 60-game season. And you didn't have to have, after a long playoffs and a heavy workload for Strasburg, Scherzer, and Corbin, you don't have to have them come back this season and play a full-length season. So maybe just because of that, the Phillies might have been better with a 162-game season because I think the chances of the Nationals being a playoff team have shot up significantly. And obviously... There's only so many playoff spots, both in the National League and in the National League East. Right. So with the current player pool, uh, the Phillies, I believe, as of yesterday, have about 53 players selected out of, a, of out of the possible 60-man player pool that's available. Uh, who are you the most excited to see get some work in um, out of that player pool for this new uh, spring training 2.0 or summer camp or, or whatever they're calling it? Um, who are you most excited to see? I, I think the Phillies have gone with summer camp, but I, I've seen there's this like weird group on social media that's like <laughs> thinks that's like the worst thing in the world to call it that. But I, yeah. I still think it's Bryce Harper. I mean, the honeymoon phase is not wear, worn off yet, and in a lot of senses, you feel like Bryce Harper had a very nice season last year, but only scratched the surface of what he should be able to do in his peak. He was scorching hot when they left off in spring training, and you right. don't want to put too much into that, but. I think he's set up to have a very nice season, so it's still probably Bryce Harper. So a lot of the prospects kind of across the league that were projected to debut at some point during 2020 uh, are kind of now in jeopardy of debuting, either because a lot of teams might think that a 60-game sample might not be worth kind of bringing their top prospect top prospect up. Um, you know, but there's also the case for bringing them up now that you know the minor league baseball season has been canceled. So. Um, how does the shortened season affect um, a guy like Alec Baum, who's the, I believe, the Phillies' uh, top-ranked po- prospect at this point? Yeah, you have Alec Baum, who's a third baseman, and Spencer Howard, who's a, a starting pitcher. It depends where you read. A lot of outlets now have Spencer Howard above, but both of them are like the top pitcher and position prospect. Alec right. Baum can DH or he can play third base, and with the addition of the DH. I think they're going to manipulate the service time for the first week with both these guys. But after that, it's going to be hard for me to make a case that most of the, most days the best lineup is not going to include his bat in there. I think they'd probably be best at DH because there's serious questions about whether he's going to be able to stick at third base. But in a 60-game season, it's a lot easier to use this kind of for 60 games and if he really struggles a third you pull the plug on it this offseason so we'll see what happens there either way his bat is ready and then Spencer Howard is uh, the best pitching prospect they've had come up since Aaron Nola and the Phillies have Aaron Nola they have Zach Wheeler and then pretty much no certainty after that and you're not going to have to worry about monitoring Spencer Howard's innings or workload in a 60-game season. So from that sense, I think the Phillies gain an advantage over what they would have had in a 162-game season, and I anticipate he's going to play a pretty big role. So give me your thoughts on the 20 games against the AL East. So uh, how, how the league is splitting this up now is basically you have 40 games against your own division and then 20 interleague games against the corresponding division in the other league. So... Um, how do you how how do you feel with the Phillies having to play um, the AL East uh, having to play twenty games against the AL East? 
Yeah, it's a disaster. There's no other way to put it because the the National League East is arguably the deepest division in baseball. And then you have the American League East, which maybe isn't the deepest because you have the Orioles at the bottom there that are maybe the worst team in the sport. But you right. have the Yankees and uh, Rays who could – you can uh, probably the Dodgers slide in there somewhere. But the Yankees and Rays might be the best two teams in baseball. So you have them. The Red Sox are still going to be able to hit this season. I don't know who's going to pitch, but they're going to be able to hit. And the Blue Jays added Ryu. They have a, a young, talented lineup. So they're – I don't th- – I think they're a year or two away, but they're not a team that's going to roll over for you this season either. So and beyond that – you're further going into Florida and New York City, two places that have high rates of coronavirus and potentially exposing different players to that. So uh, the AL East, unfortunately, is about as bad of a draw as the Phillies could have gotten, but they're going to have to make do with it. So I know before the um, the stall and, and the kind of the suspension of, of spring training, kind of the, the stall on uh, transactions across the league, I know apparently the Phillies were talking to uh, JT Riomoto about a possible uh, contract extension. Um, what are the odds that he gets extended before uh, he hits free agency? I still think my gut feeling is he will get extended before he hits free agency. I also don't know if it would be the worst thing in the world for him to hit free agency. And Matt Klintak made a quote this week when he spoke with with some of us on a Zoom call talking about things have changed since the last time the Phillies spoke. And it got a lot of people here panicked. But the reality is things have changed. Like maybe there was another team that was going to give JT Realmuto five or six years that because yeah. of the economic impacts and because – Billionaire owners are pinching their pennies right now are not going to make that offer for JT Realmuto anymore. So you want to keep him. You want to make a fair offer, but you also don't want to bid against yourself. So my guess is that they're still ultimately going to keep JT Realmuto, but it's not a situation where you need to run out here right now and give him a six-year deal because he's going to be 30 next season. He is the best catcher in the sport right now, and I think he should age relatively well, but he's still a catcher, and the back end of those years are probably not going to be great so if you can only have five years on the deal as opposed to six and if you can have 23 million instead of 25 million you're in better shape so i know we talked about alec bohm and i believe spencer howard right that's his name the top pitching prospect for the phillies yep yeah so speaking of another kind of uh, Phillies prospect, I don't know where he ranks now, but Mickey Moniak was the number one overall pick uh, from the 2016 MLB draft. Um, do you feel like he's, uh, after kind of a rough season in A, do you feel like he's kind of fallen out of favor with the front office? Um, and how do fans kind of fe- uh, feel about Mickey Moniak um, these days? There definitely is some level of disappointment in what he has been so far. I think he's going to reach the major leagues at some point. It's not just a a complete fall on your face, retired by the time you're 25 type guy. But he's someone that, uh, I mean, they they took him in a, a weak year. The Phillies got the number one pick in one of the weakest drafts the sport's ever seen. So they could sign him to an under slot deal and put more money into their second and third round picks, which they did do that. But Mickey Moniak isn't just disappointment, disappointing at this point for the standards of a number one pick. He's just disappointing by the standards of a first-round pick, period. So I think there is a level of frustration there. My guess right now is he's going to be a fourth outfielder, and it doesn't mean you can't use that, but you wasted a first-round pick on that. So 
I, I don't know that all is lost. He's still 22, 23 years old. He can get better. But, yeah, I mean, you look around the rest of the National League East with guys that are younger than him, like Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna, and it's yep. hard not to feel some level of disappointment. So give me a one bold prediction for the 2020 Phillies. This can be a prediction for, say, Harper is going to win the MVP award or uh, Aaron Nola is going to win the uh, the ERA title. Uh, Give me some sort of bold prediction for the 2020 season. I don't know how bold this is, but I think Aaron Nola finishes in the top three in Cy Young award voting, which he did two years ago, slipped up a little bit last year. But the thing is, Aaron Nola has struggled more in the colder months. He's from Louisiana, and the weather where you and I just want to sit by the air conditioner, Aaron Nola like thrives <laughs> when it is 98 degrees outside and humid. And Philly right. is maybe not the hottest place in the world, but it is the humidity here in the summer is insane. And Aaron Nola seems to thrive at that. So when you start the season in the middle of the summer, you would think he's in pretty good shape to, to have a really good season in 2020. Perfect. Sounds good, Tim. So where can people find uh, find you online, find you on Twitter? Where can people listen to the podcast? All that good stuff. You can listen to Locked On Phillies wherever you get your podcasts. You can find my Phillies writing on philliesnation.com and my national sports writing on radio.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Kelly Sports. Awesome. Tim, thanks again, man. Hopefully uh, we'll have to hopefully the season will get underway and we're not doing another Phillies preview. Uh, that would be the third one if, if, if the season doesn't get underway. So hopefully this is uh, hopefully the season gets underway here. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Thanks. Great stuff there from Tim Kelly, as always. Definitely we'll have him back as the season progresses to catch up on all things Phillies. That'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much again for listening to Big League Chewing, a baseball podcast. My name has been Mike Brown. You can follow me on Twitter at ChewingCast, or you can follow me on Instagram at Big League Chewing. And I will see you guys next week.